Uh, th- this is an awesome day. Th- this is truly, truly, truly an awesome day. So I'm not going to make a, a long sermon even longer. Um, too late. <laughs> Actually, I'm, I'm cutting it down. I usually go about 45, 50 minutes. We're going to go about half an hour today, and we'll be done. So and my, my people are like, they got to come back more often. Um, so uh, if you got a Bible, uh, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 22. And if you don't have a Bible, it will come up on the screen. But the bad thing about it coming up on the screen is um, that, that Jeremiah and the worship team and everything, get, they get upset when people take notes on the screen. Um, because they got to wash them off. Come on, did anybody get that? <laughs> Goodness gracious. <gasps> you write in your Bible? Yeah, we do. So, um, First Samuel. Samuel chapter 22. What we're going to do is we're going to talk about um, a group of, of men, but it's not just... Um, I'm sorry, ladies, am I bothering you all up here? Yes, yeah. All right. <laughs> Shh. Uh, we're we're going to talk about, uh, you don't have shoes on, I'll step on your toes. Um, we'll put real meaning into it. Um, we're going to talk about a, a group of men that have come together um, after, uh, they're, they're coming together for a purpose. We'll talk about the purpose in a minute. But what I want to focus on is this group that's coming together, why they're coming together, and who they're coming together after. So if you're um, one of those type A type people, uh, and you like to take notes, and you want everything kind of systematic, if you want a, a, a title for this sermon, um, it is going to be Rabble to Righteous. Rabble to righteous. Because I, I, I look at this text and I look at these, the, these men that come together and, and they are very well, um, uh, very good and they're well termed as a rabble. Uh, for those of you that don't know what a, a, a rabble is, most of, of you will probably understand or, or, or think about uh, the term rabble rouser. So a, a rabble rouser is like my son is a rabble rouser. He's uh, kind of disorderly at, at, at times. He takes after his mother. But um, <laughs> love you. Um, but a rabble, a rabble is like an unruly crowd. It's like a, it's a disorderly mob. And I, I, as I, we're going to read this text here, I, I envision that being the, if there was a sign on this cave in which they go to, it would say, welcome to the rabble. So if you're looking at your Bible, if you've got it open, look at First uh, Samuel chapter 22. We're just going to read a, a few verses. We'll, we'll use this as our launching point. Uh, verse 1, it says, David departed from there and escaped to the cave at Adullam. Uh, real quick, if you don't know what's going on, he's being pursued by Saul. If you need to go back um, this week and read why he's being pursued by Saul, I would highly recommend it. Um, and, and understand that uh, th- when he's being pursued here, he's already went to the enemy and had to act like a madman so they, that he wouldn't get killed. Um, but now he, he's, he's wandering even further. He, he's, he's on a um, he, he's got direction. He's, got, he's on a mission. And it says, And when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. Uh, pause real quick. I, I think this is a, 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 good, um, a, a, a good stopping point or a, a good um, area in which we can identify that um, when David was being pursued by King Saul, the, the, uh, his fathers and his brothers heard about it, and they went to his aid. So, so think about that for a second. That's something that, that, that um, I, I, I know that we all encounter different things in our lives, but 
I know me, and I'm sure a lot of you would, would love it if when somebody heard that you were in need or you were being pursued or you were being opposed, that they would come to your need. Instead of asking for help, that they would know you well enough and love you um, enough to say, I, I, hey, Ogre's in, uh, yes, the big bald man here, his name's Ogre. Um, it's on his birth certificate. Um, but So Ogre's in need, and I'm just going to go to him. He didn't ask me, but I'm going to go to him. So now you're going to be flooded with, uh, with email or whatever. Um, on Google, exactly. <laughs> ask Ogre about Google later. If you don't know Ogre, ask him about Google. So, but, but here, when, when, his, father's, uh, when the, the, his father and his brothers heard that David was being pursued, they went to him. They went to him at this place called uh, Adullam. Um, I, I'm excited. Next year, uh, Shannon and I are going to Israel, and we're going to visit this cave, this large cave um, where, they, um, uh, where, where this, this meeting took place. And, and it says here uh, in verse 2, so it goes on. So it's not only his, fathers and, or his father and his brothers went, it says, and everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him. And he became commander over them. And there were with him about 400 men. All right, pause. This, this is us. This is where we're going to really kind of, where we're going to spend some time. Because I, I think when it talks here about and everyone, it, there's, there's a, an eclectic crowd that's coming together. So I, I was just, you know, we're, we're singing these, these hymns, and that, that last song, it said that um, when we all come together, all one body, uh, I, I know that the, the Pastor Rich said something about it, I know that, that uh, my beautiful bald brother uh, Jake said something about it. Um, this, is, this is awesome in the sense, this day, because we are two churches, um, it, two, let's say this, and hear me out on this, we're two organizations coming together as one church. And, and that's what we're supposed to be, is we're the body of Christ. We, we don't have to, to keep up divisions, and we don't have to keep dividing walls up. What we need to do is we need to show that we're united, and when we come together, we come together for a purpose. Well, these people who came together here at the Cave of Adullam, uh, I, I think that it's very... Um, very clear why they came together. Uh, uh, being, you know, simple-minded as I am, I looked at the three D's here. Uh, the last D, you have to uh, kind of stick with me here. But the first thing it says is the people who came were distressed. Look, look, look where it says that. It says, and everyone who was in distress. Everyone who was in distress. I, I don't want people to raise their hands. I don't want you to look around. But I just want you to ask yourself this question. Am I in distress? Have I ever been in distress? Will I ever be in distress? So it's three questions, not one question. What does this distress look like? Because I, I think a lot of people, they're in distress and they don't know what it is. They think it's just normal. Because if we continue in a normal pattern in our life, what we think, or if we continue in a pattern in our life, we think, it, we think that it's, just, it's normal. This is the way we're supposed to act. This is the way in which we're supposed to react. Well, distress, as I Googled it for ogre's sake. No, actually, I, I, I use a, a thing called a dictionary. Um, but uh, distress is an, an extreme anxiety, sorrow, or pain. So think about this. Just ask yourself this, this question. Have I ever felt that? 
that anxiety or that sorrow or that pain. And think about these people who, who and maybe you, you are, you're, you're sitting here and you've had that, that anxious thought or you, you've been controlled by anxiety and you can relate to this part of this group. Don't answer this question out loud, but answer this. Is that a, a comfortable place in which to, to live in? Is that a, a place in which, um, to be honest, is, is it pleasant to be there? Are you pleasant to be around? I know when I'm anxious, my wife will tell you, she'd be the first one to amen this. When I'm anxious or something, you don't want to be around me. <laughs> Shelly even said it. Yeah, my secretary even said, uh-huh. But, but because anxiety does damage. And God did not, he did not create us to be anxious. He didn't give us the spirit of fear, but of power and self-control. But what we need to understand here is these, these men that, come, that started to, to filter into this cave, there were those that were distressed. They had some, some kind of anxiety or, or, or sorrow or pain in their life. But it wasn't just them. You had another group of people that I, I know were in church, and no one in here is in this category, um, but those who are in debt, right? <laughs> chuckle, chuckle, right? Well, what does it mean to be in debt? It just means you're something that is owed to someone else. It, it, it may be a, a monetary debt. It may be in slavery. It, may, it could be a myriad of different things. But what we understand is those who are in debt, they must have been in such debt they had no way out. So their way out was, I'm, I, I'm just going to run. I got to go. I, I, I'm sure that some of you have uh, had encountered somebody in your life that has been so far in debt that their only answer in their mind is, I'm just going to leave. I'm just going to leave everything. I'm going to go. Well, that's what th this mindset of, of some of these men were. They were in such debt, they felt that the world was just coming down around them, that they said, I got to go. And they went to this cave. The last, uh, the last D here is, is something that, uh, it's, it's, in translation, you get the D, but in, in this uh, translation, it says bitter in soul, but understand it's also, what that means is, is discontented. Discontented. So we have distressed Debt and discontented. What does discontented mean? This, this one here, out of all three of these, um, I, I like to be honest, um, and I think it's a good thing to be honest in church, uh, outside of churches as well, but, um, but if I'm going to be honest, this would work, if I were to, to say which, which one of these categories uh, lines up with me the, the best the most, it, it would be this discontentedness. This discontentment, because it's a dissatisfaction with one's own circumstance. A dissatisfaction with one's own circumstance. Now, uh, I was talking with uh, a, a very um, wise man not too long ago about uh, some of, of the discontentment in which I have. Um, and uh, Kurt told me this. I won't tell you his name, but uh, <laughs> Kurt, Kurt, yes. I was talking to Kurt about this because here's the deal. I, I, I know that when I'm in these moves, I need to go to someone who has some, some wisdom and some spiritual knowledge, and I can go and I can trust. So I was talking to Kurt about discontentment, and uh, he said, well, you know, the, the discontentment is not always a bad thing. You can have the good discontentment that drives us toward uh, getting things done, but there is a, a, a debilitating discontentment. 
In my mind, I've always tried to rationalize the, the, the mood, quote unquote, that I'm in and say, well, my discontentment is because of XYZ, and I try to blame shift. No one else in here does that. I'm sure I'm the only one in here that blame shifts. And and what I find is I get discontented with myself, with my own circumstances, because I'm not facing those circumstances. And some of those circumstances in which I need to face, if I do face those, the, the, the outcome can be glorious. God can do some amazing works. But in my mind, I'm thinking discontentment, that's bad. I got to get away from that. I got to be content because that's what Paul says. I've learned to be content in everything. If I'm not content in everything, then I must be doing something wrong. No, but like my brother, he, he, he brought to my, my attention that sometimes that discontentment is, is used by God for good things. So I, I want to say in, in this, may, maybe um, you're discontent and you're, you're thinking that you're in a bad place because of that discontentment. What you have to do is you have to look at that discontentment and you have to analyze. I know that that's the, the new the, or the, the, the latest and greatest thing that everybody um, does on, on uh, you know, the, the, the political analysts and the sports analysts and the Google analysts and whatever, all these different type of, of analysts. They want to analyze everything and sometimes we think we don't need to, or sometimes we think we overanalyze stuff. And nine times out of ten, you do. I do. We overanalyze things to the hilt, things that really don't matter. But what we need to do is those things that really do matter, we do need to, to take time to look at them. Look at this. If you're feeling this discontentment, analyze it. Okay, is this, is, is this of God? Is this something that can be used for good? Or is this, is this something that I need to change my circumstance? I need to repent? God forbid if I had to change my ways, right? But is, is there some action which I need to take? Well, here in this, this, this rabble, we have the, these three things that, that make up this group of um, 400 men. I, I don't know about you, but I, I know about me. I know some of you in here have spent some time in, in the military. And when you get uh, um, uh, 400 men together, um, there's going to be a lot of something. And it's usually not um, uh, hugs and, and butterflies. There's a lot of, of, of talk. And when any time testosterone gets together, there, there's these contests to see who can you know, strut their stuff uh, the, the, the loudest and the, and the best. And then just to think about this. What, what if this was in a, a context? I was in the Marine Corps, and it's a big melting pot. But uh, what if this was a context, like maybe we're talking about a, a prison or something, where there's those who are, are, are criminals and, and those who um, ha- don't have the, the, the greatest past? Well, what if that's where, where, where this big group of men are? Well, if we're going to be honest, this is, that's this group of men that we're talking about here. They were all, they were all jacked up. They were all jacked up. They, they had this distress and this dead and this discontentment. So they probably weren't sitting around the, the campfire holding hands singing Kumbaya. I envision that there were times where Rich said something stupid and I just reached across and slapped him. Or I said something stupid and he I don't know, ran me down and stabbed me or something. I, I mean, I'm sure that there was things like this that took place. This is what a rabble is. A rabble is this disorderly bunch, this mob that, that, that forms together. 
Now, I say all of that because I, I want us to kind of relate. I don't want anybody in here to think that uh, your situation or whatever circumstances that, that you're in disqualifies you to be with inside of this rabble. Because none of you in here, I don't care how bad you are, you think you are, supersede probably the majority of the, the crowd that came together. But they came together for a purpose. I, I, I love this. When, when the reason they came together, it says, uh, the, the latter part of verse 2, um, it says, and he became, he being who? Anybody? David. David. Woo, I got you. It wasn't Jesus this time, right? <laughs> you know, in church, nine times out of ten, the answer is Jesus. So here it says, and he, David, became commander over them. So they came for a purpose. Yes, they were fleeing from discontentment. Yes, they were fleeing from debt. Yes, they, they were fleeing from this, um, th th this distress that was in their life. But they came for a purpose because they wanted to be led. And I'm convinced of this. I, I, I think that um, um, as much as people want to fight the... Um, the, the stereotype of our American dream society and we're all individuals and you know this is it's all about how, what I can do for me everybody at one at some level or another wants to be led it, it's programmed into our DNA so when, when I talk about that I, I think that, that no one here should sit here and if you're sitting here thinking well I don't really want to be led I just want to get my Jesus on I want to get out of here you're robbing yourself you're robbing yourselves of the blessings in which God has for you. Because it's not until you identify that you're distressed. It's not until you identify that you're in debt. And it's not until you identify that you're discontent that you can be led. That God can work inside you. Too many times what we do is we walk around and act like our stuff doesn't stink and I got everything in control. What we're doing is we're being our own worst enemy. Now, I'm not, saying, I'm not saying that we should walk around and say, oh, I'm just a horrible person. Woe is me, throwing up you know, ashes in the air, ripping our, 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 our shirts and revealing our chest hairs. No, that's one thing I never really understood why they did that. But um, get a phone, get the phone. It may be Jesus. It may be. Um, but what we need to understand is it's not until we identify. That's good music. Man, let it go. I'm going to start jamming. Nice. Everybody reach for their cell phone. Turn it off. All right. But it's not until we identify a problem. I, no, that's a beautiful illustration. Thank you, Regina. Regina didn't know her phone was on. Well, it's not now. Um, until, until, just, just go away. It, we'll just act like this, this happened on purpose. But it's not until it's, been, it's identified that we, something needs to be done about it. I think here in this, this, this same mindset is these, these men, they knew something was wrong. They knew they needed to do something about it. So they went to a man that um, he, he in, in himself was not the perfect man. David was not, and this is something that has always fascinated me, um, David was not this, this, this peaceful, uh, calm, and cool, and collected little shepherd boy that every, they, he just had butterflies and roses and, and, and unicorns following him all over the place, and that's why people flocked to him. He was a fierce man of God. 
He was, uh, he was willing to attack and, and willing to face what needed to be faced. But he was also a man after God's own heart. Here, these, these men, they're, they're, they're coming to David. And when they come to David, they're, 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 they're telling him all of his woes. And if, if Pastor Rich and I were, were, were um, honest, this, this sometimes we feel like that. When, when the people that are, are, are distressed and in debt and discontent, they come to us and they just want to explode and they want to tell all their woes. I encourage that. I, I encourage that because you need to get that out. Even, even David, when, when uh, he's faced with this, I, I love his response in all of this. I love his response when he's, he's gathered around by these 400 men. That, that it's a very um, crazy, jacked-up crowd. And you ask me, well, what was his response? I'm going to say, I'm glad you asked because it's in my notes. Uh, turn to Psalm 142. It says I have seven minutes and 22 seconds left. I don't think I'm going to make it. <clears throat> Psalm 142, this, uh, this is a prayer that David prays while he's in this cave. So picture yourself in this cave, and you're looking to the, the, the commander, the guy that you came to to get help because uh, your life was all jacked up. Look at, look at his prayer here. 142 verse 1. With my voice I cry out to the Lord. With my voice I plead for mercy to the Lord. I pour out my, my complaint before him. I tell my trouble before him. When my spirit faints within me, you know my way. In the path where I walk, they have hidden a trap for me. Look to the right and see, there's none who takes notice of me. No refuge remains to me. No one cares for my soul. Stop for a second. When I'm reading this, I'm thinking, I'm like, 400 guys around, and David's leading this, this prayer group, and he says, no one cares for my soul. I'm thinking, what you talking about, Willis? Ooh, what's going on? Hold on. But then he, he, he follows it, and he says, I cry to you, O Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. So, when he says, you are my refuge, think about this. They're in a cave for a reason. They're in a cave because they're hiding. This is their stronghold. This is their refuge. What he's doing here is he's identifying, just because we're in a cave, oh Lord, this is not my refuge. You are my refuge. You are my stronghold here. He says, attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. Bring me out of prison, that I may give thanks to your name. The righteous will surround me, for you will deal bountifully with me. This week, just go back through that psalm and try to picture yourself among as one among these men, as David, the commander, the guy that they came for help, is praying this prayer. And he says, they're too strong for me. I, I, I don't know about you, when I, when I, if I'm going to somebody for help and they're going to say, well, hey, too strong for me, <laughs> good luck, I'll pray for you. <laughs> I, I'm kind of like, what, what's going on? No, but what David is saying, that they're too strong for me. 
But just because they're too strong for me doesn't mean they're too strong for the Lord. That's what we have to, fo- we have to really focus on because I-, I think that too often what we see is we-, we see these men that have come together to be led by David. Are they going to go on some military campaigns and do some uh, amazing things? Absolutely. But I don't think that that's why they came together to be, la- to be led by David. They came, to be, came together to be led by David because David was, was led by the Lord. And you have to understand what's going on at this time. Everybody thinks that Israel and the Jewish people always followed after the Lord. They didn't. They weren't at this time. There were very few individuals who were actually following after God. David was one of those men which was willing to do whatever it took was willing to sacrifice whatever he had to sacrifice to follow after God. And these men, they seen that and they identified with that. So we can think that these are just all big, burly men like, like Bobby. They, they, they come to the cage, yeah, I want to kill some Philistines. Yeah, that's what I want to do. That's not why they came to the cave. They came because they were broken. And they knew that this man, David, he was a leader. He was one who followed after God. And they, 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 they knew that there was something different about him. Now, I, I say that because in this time, and we'll, we'll fast forward a little bit, um, and just for sake of time, we won't go too deep into this, but um, what we need to do is if you fast forward to 2 Samuel chapter 23, uh, we'll call it fast, or I'll call it fast forward, you, you flip, like you're time traveling here. Because I, I think it's important here, to, if we're going to talk about this rabble, this broken people, this broken, this group of men that were, were, were together. And remember this, just because it says they're broken men doesn't mean that their, their families weren't affected by this. These are broken homes, broken people here. It says in um, 2 Samuel chapter 23, Verse 8, it says, These are the names of the mighty men from whom David had. Joseph Bathshebeth. Te- yeah, a dude from that big long word, Tekamite. He was chief of the three. He wielded his spear against 800 whom he killed at one time. Bad dude. And next to him among the three mighty men was Eleazar, the son of Dodo. <laughs> That's fun. I'm sorry. So, I, I'm, I'm immature, I know. Son of Ahoyai. He was with David when they defiled the Philistines who were gathered there for battle, and the men of Israel withdrew. He rose and struck down the Philistines until his hand was weary, and his hand clung to the sword. And the Lord brought about a great victory that day, and the men returned after him only to strip the slain. <clears throat> so in other words... He, did, uh, he, he fought all these men by himself. Everybody else kind of fled, and he stood there and fought. Good guy. And next to him, Shammah, the son of Agi the Herite. The Philistines gathered together at Lehi, where there was a plot of ground full of lentils. And the men fled from the Philistines. But he took his stand in the midst of the plot and defended it and struck down the Philistines. And the Lord worked a great victory. Jump down to verse 18. <clears throat> Now Abisha, the brother of Joab, the son of Zeruiah, was a chief of the 30, and he wielded his spear against 300 men and killed them and won a name beside the three. 
He was the most renowned of all of the 30 and became their commander. But he did not attain to the three. Verse 20, it says, And Benaniah, the son of Jehoiada, was a valiant man of Kabzeel, a doer of great deeds. He struck down two aerials of Moab. He also went down and struck down a lion in a pit on a day when snow had fallen. And he struck down an Egyptian, a handsome man. I love that. A handsome man. The Egyptian had a spear in his hand, but Benaniah went down to him with a staff and snatched the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. These things did Benaniah, the son of Jehoiada, and won a name besides the three mighty men. He was renowned among the 30, but did not attain to the three. And David set him over the bodyguard. And then it goes on from verse 24 all the way through 30. It goes in and tells all of these mighty men they were part of this, this group that came to David. And, and why I, I, I read that, I, I want to highlight some, some things because I think that there was something that, that, that went on from the time in which these men came to David. They came as a rabble. But through the, the, their, their interaction and through their, their, their equipping of the commander of David, they became mighty men of valor. They went from being the rabble, the unruly mob, into the mighty men. So I, that's why I, 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 I termed this, or I named this sermon from the, the, the rabble to the righteous. There's, there's times when we come together, we're the rabble, but that we don't have to stay the rabble. We don't have to stay an unruly mob, or just a crowd with just problems. No, through the equipping of God, through the equipping of God's chosen leaders, we can become the righteous. And I think that this is where we see this primary objective in all of this. The primary, being military, man, you have to have an MO, a missionary, or a missionary, yeah, a mission objective. So the primary mission objective of these guys when they came together, the reason they were coming together is they were uniting against an enemy. Wait a second, Lee, you just said that they came to follow after David because he was following after God. Yeah, I didn't say the enemy was the Philistines or the Hittites or the Amorites or the Mosquito Bites or any of those guys. The enemy is the same enemy which we have today. We have this enemy that we have to face because we are distressed and we are in debt and we are discontented. Turn over to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Second Corinthians chapter 10 and we'll, we'll finish up here. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. This battle that we're in, it may not be against the, the giants, the, the Philistines. It may not be against these, the, the, this physical opposition. 
But every one of us is against a spiritual opposition. We can relate to these, these rabbles because we have, we have a, 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 a spiritual battle that's taken place in every single person here. Some, if you're sitting here and saying, well, I don't have a spiritual battle going on, you're just in denial. We all have a spiritual battle in which we have to engage daily. If we don't engage daily in our spiritual battle, we're going to be overtaken by the enemy. How do we do that? Well, I'm glad you asked because, again, that was in my notes. Over the next three or four weeks, what we're going to be doing, we're, we're taking a pause from our Luke series, and what we're going to be doing is we're going to be um, studying the armor of God. Ephesians 6, uh, verse 10 through 20. We're going to be looking at the armor of God because we need to be equipped for the battle in which we're going to face. We, we, we need to understand that this, this war that is waged against us is not a, a, a war that we need to uh, run into buck naked. We need to be equipped. God gives us the, the, the armament in which we need. He gives us the tools in which we need. But like any good soldier or any good, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, like any good soldier, any good uh, uh, military personnel or the such, you have to have someone to lead you. But you have to be willing to be led. Now, Pastor Rich and I, we're leaders. We lead our churches. But the only reason that we lead our churches, the only reason that we lead y'all here is because we're being led by the Lord. I heard one time it says, if you want to be in authority, you must be under authority first. We are under the authority of God to equip the saints for ministry. Ephesians 4.12. That's what we must do. So when we come together and we see and we look out and we, we see all these faces, we stand up here. I'm convinced of this. And I'm thinking, okay, how can I equip her? How can I equip him? What, what are they bringing to the table? What's going on? Well, maybe we can't do a broad brush stroke and, and, and address everybody's problems at one time, but what we can do is we can lay a foundation. Stand, therefore, in the power of his might. We're to stand in the power of God and face these spiritual battles in which we are encountered with. And that's not an easy thing to do. You need help. I need help. We need help. But we're willing to, to, to face the discontented and the, those in debt and those who are distressed to be united against the enemy. It's going to be tough. But everybody in here can look around and say, man, our world needs it. Because if we don't do something, whoever's in the White House ain't going to do anything about it. It starts with us. Everybody bow. Bow your heads, please. How do we go from the rabble to the righteous? It starts with that relationship with Jesus Christ. We, we, we talk about that all the time. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship. Jesus came to us to have this relationship with us. It's making him... Lord, not just Savior. He's not just saving us so we don't go to hell. He's, he's saving us to be with him in eternity. Lord over all. 
If he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. We've got to ask ourselves, okay, where, where, where am I at in this, 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 this paradigm here? Am, I, I, I am distressed or I am in debt or I am uh, discontent. So if you're any one of those three, which I, at one point or another, it um, affects everybody in here. But if you're at any one of those three and you're identifying one of those, you can say this with confidence. You're not God. Quit trying to act like it. Let him be Lord of all. Our Father God in heaven, Lord God, we thank you. Lord, we ask as we have opened your word and we've uh, just heard uh, some of your truth and we see examples um, it, 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 that have happened, uh, not only to, to, to shed light on what was going on then, but to speak into our lives now. God, my, my prayer is that we do something about it, that we don't fake the funk, and we don't keep a, a facade on it. Everything's honky-dory, but no, we say, yes, I'm, I'm distressed, or I'm discontent, or whatever, and, and, and face the fact that we need help, and then go to where the help can be given. Lord Jesus, I ask um, uh, wisdom and I ask counsel for our leadership at, at LifePoint. I ask wisdom and counsel for the leadership at the Congregational Church. I ask that, that, that we can, um, when people bring the, the, the hurt and the pain and the sorrow and everything to uh, the leadership, that they, it can be dealt with properly. It can be dealt with biblically and that you can get all the glory. Lord, I thank you for my brother. I thank you for Rich. I thank you for his church. I thank you for coming together. This, is, this day will, is just a start. God, this, this, this is huge. But you're even bigger. God, you got plans for us. Let us be willing to execute your plans. Lord Jesus, we love you. Father, we thank you. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.